So there are, there are two readings. Uh, there is Luke 20, verses 45 to 47, and then I'm going to flow straight into Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. So wherever you are, I encourage you to uh, follow that, be it on the screen, on your phone, or in your Bible. So starting at Luke 20, at verse 45. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour wives' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And then flowing on to Luke 21, starting at verse 1. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Amen. I'll invite Zoe up, pray for you Zoe, and then, uh, and then away we go. Lord, thank you for Zoe. Thank you for the preparation that she has put in um, for the talk this morning. Lord, prepare our hearts now. Um, may we have hearts and ears that are listening to you. And Lord, just pray for your spirit to be equipping and speaking through Zoe this morning. Lord, may we be excited about meeting and hearing from you this morning. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for, for leading us, for praying for us, and for opening the scriptures that we're going to unpack together. I'm excited to do so this morning, church. I've just saw, uh, seen Josh Caird en route into the children's group this morning, and he said he'd see me in four hours' time for coffee. But I assure you, it's not going to be that long this morning, but I am going to challenge you, and I pray that God will challenge you through his word and through his spirit today. Those of you that are really observant will realize that we actually um, uh, have opened Luke chapter 20 and Luke chapter 21 today, but we are going to focus on the widow's offering. And we're near at the end of our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke, and we've seen, haven't we, on this journey, the highs and the lows and the miracles, the accusing questions, and Jesus firsthand engaging with the people around him. And that's what I love about the Gospel. As we travel through, we see and get a glimpse of who Jesus is. And today is no different, as Jesus being Jesus unpacks and reveals the heart of the religious leaders and shows us the humility of the widow. And I just hope that we get to gaze upon that this morning and are challenged as a result. But what do we see? Let's start there together. We see Jesus a few days away from his death. And that's really significant, as sometimes this passage of the widow's offering can be taken out of context and just taught as a story that represents generosity. 
And of course it does. And today we're going to be challenged about what we give um, as a response and an offering to God. But there's more for us to see than that today. Jesus is almost comparing and contrasting characters and characteristics and emotions and he's leaving this here for us to kind of cause and affect what's going on in the heart of the characters in the story. We see, don't we, the humility and the generosity of the widow. And we see the pride and the indecent behavior that Jesus is calling out of the religious leaders. And as a family, it made me think of kind of a word or a phrase that we used growing up. And this word or phrase was called nibbling. So I have uh, two sisters and a brother, and we've picked up a few outlaws, as we call them, on the way now. But family, the thing about family is, isn't it, that they know you the best, and they're the people that love you, so therefore know how to wind you up the best. And my brother, not always my brother, but mostly my brother, and I'm sure always done in love, would make quite a controversial statement at home, and we'd call this a nibble, just to see if we would bite the bait that he'd given us and respond. And when we did rise to the bait and respond at home, he would simply just say the word nibble and then burst out in laughter. And that's what I kind of see in this passage today. I'm not suggesting that Jesus is making a controversial statement for the sake of it, but by now we need to realize that in this stage of Holy Week, Jesus is provoking a response in the audience of the day, warning them about the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. He's not holding back. He is calling out, picking out their kind of status, their pride, their behavior, and how they've abused their positions in the expense of the widow. And I love the emotion, the anger that we can see and kind of read in the gospel. We hear, don't we, in the few verses before what we read in Luke chapter 21 today, that the religious leaders, their wealth, those that were rich, devoured the widows' houses. For their own sake, they profited from the poorest of the poor. They disregarded the law to look after the orphan and the widow, and they made their offering, their sacrifice in the temple, a public and significant event for all to see. But it's almost as if, isn't it, in the verses that we've read before this story of generosity today, Jesus pointing a finger a couple of steps back saying, how do you find yourself to be in such great wealth? And who is this at the expense of? And then in contrast, we see, don't we, this humility of the widow giving all that she has in great poverty. So what do we see today? Jesus exposing the evil in the religious leaders' hearts. And we see the battle of the character and the characteristics in our own heart that I'm sure we can relate to today. Humility versus pride, sacrifice versus comfort, control versus compassion. And as kind of we explore together those characteristics, those emotions, today we're going to ask ourselves the question, if we're honest, and we're really honest, what would Jesus reveal or expose in our own hearts today? And you can't think about a theme of generosity or sacrifice or offering without asking a really practical question. Lord, what do you want us to do as your church today, here or at home, in response to what we have heard? 
God, what are you asking us to give you? And that's what we're kind of, kind of going to end on. But as we've explored this gospel passage of the widow giving everything she has, I want us to realize today it's not the first time in scripture that we see a widow giving everything she has and God using that offering and replicating that in a form of abundance. I want us to turn to another passage in scripture, if you're, you'll love to turn with me there, to 1 Kings chapter 17, where we see the encounter with Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. And we know the story of Elijah, don't we? It's been a common theme of Lectio 365 recently and our devotion yesterday at Inspiring Women. Elijah was the first of a long line of prophets called to, well, sent and called to Israel to warn them of their moral and spiritual decline. And the story of Elijah is rich. And we see how God deals with him so relationally and gently providing all that he needs and restoring his emotional well-being with a still, small whisper. And the story of Elijah starts with Elijah appearing on the scene, declaring to the bow-worshipping king of the day that there will be a drought, a severe drought for years to come. Now, Baal was supposed to be the king of rain and bountiful harvests. So this statement in itself kind of says your or just reveals the falseness of their God. But I'm going to read verses 1 to 16, and then we're going to kind of think about the widow's offering here too, before we think about how we are to respond today. So it says this, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kereth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kereth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and the bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. From the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at, one, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering their sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me and from what you have and bring it to me and then something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will be not used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. 
I love that passage. There we see another widow giving all that she has and God using it in abundance. So I want us just to gaze on this passage as well as the other widow's passage for us to think about. So what do we see? We see a a widow giving when her resources are at their end and God providing for both her family and Elijah in miraculous ways. It reminds me of that song that we often sing, that refrain, where it's where we sing, Waymaker, you make a way where there is no way. And it's incredible, isn't it? That God uses the unlikely and the unexpected, and he always provides. I wonder today if you've got a story, if you've got a testimony of God's faithfulness and provision in your life. We have, as a family, experienced God's provision for us in so many ways, in miraculous ways, in unconventional ways over many years. And I've shared before, uh, our story is that our dad was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, and that meant for us as a family that we needed to stop farming 10 to 15 years before my dad and my mum could financially afford to retire. So actually, three years ago this week, we auctioned off all our cows and everything we had, and we rented our farm, which meant we lost our income as well as our home. And there was quite a few points along that story that was quite scary for us. We could see that a chapter of our life was ending, but we weren't quite sure how God was going to open a new door for us. But now, looking back, we love to say it, don't we, with the kind of hindsight in mind, we see how God has provided for us in ways that have surpassed our imagination. My brother bought a house in a neighboring town, which was a new build, and it was built on the site of an old dairy. So the son of a dairy farmer now lives at three, the old dairy. And then my parents managed to buy a bungalow that had a conservatory that looked onto a farm behind so we could see cows that weren't ours. And I have a picture, actually, I wanted to show you this morning, because here's um, kind of around, this picture was taken of me and my dad, around the time my parents moved into this uh, new house. And we didn't have any furniture at that point, so we just sat on camping chairs in the conservatory. And all my dad and I did for a week that I got to live with them there before I moved to Honiton was just look at this view together. The view, you can't quite see it, but there are cows in the background. And my dad got to view that view for like a few more months before going into a home himself. But... Now I get to go home and sit and gaze upon a view where I used to sit with my earthly father, but now I sit and ponder over the richness and the kindness of my heavenly father. And I just thought I'd show that picture today because often we need a view, don't we? We need a place that we can go back to and sit and gaze at the goodness and provision of our God. Whenever I go home, I get to see the place that God has gifted for my mum to live in. God provides in amazing ways. And what strikes me about this passage today, as we see in 1 Kings, is that we see God's provision come in the most profound ways about how they came about. Just profanity of God's provision. First, we see God's provision come for Elijah in the form of a raven, a bird delivering food, an unclean bird delivering the source of God's sustenance for his servant Elijah. And then we see, don't we, Elijah go to Zarephath, a region which means, when translated, the place of refining. And when I realized that, I was like, wow, how interesting that God 
is taking Elijah to a place of refining to work on his character to demonstrate that he is going to provide for him. He takes him to a place cut off to refine him, and he takes him to a place, a Gentile place, a place where people don't worship his God, and then says on top of that, I'm going to supply you a Gentile widow to look after you. God is saying, even though it doesn't appear normal, do you trust me, Elijah? I am taking you to a place where I'm going to refine your character and I'm going to provide for you. And this amazes me as I reflected on that in the week. My circumstances are not the same, but I don't know about you, but I feel in this last season, just like Elijah, that God has taken me to a place to a region, to a land. It's been hard, it's been unconventional. But it's like he's taken me there to refine and work on my character. And I wonder, has God ever taken you to a place, into a season, taken you to a Zarephath place to refine your character? How is God molding you? How is God refining you? How is God strengthening you? Doing a deep work within you to prepare you for what is to come. And what should our response be if that's where you find yourself today? Then it's hard, but our response is, yes, Lord, your ways are best. Your ways are higher than my ways, and I want to trust you. Lord, if you want to take us deep, it's because you want to take us far. And that's the place we see God provide for our every need. I wonder this morning, has God provided for you in this season, in this time, in different ways to the way you were expecting. I pray, my prayer for you this morning, church, is that you, God would give you a view to sit from again, to just be with him, to have revealed again the ways that he has provided for you that you may not have realized. And then what do we see? We see in the verses that follow that Elijah has this interchange and this kind of conversation with the widow. Before that, Elijah is set off on this like 100-mile journey to the region God has called him to go on, and then he sees a widow collecting sticks. And he calls out to her, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? I mean, quite an ask in such a time of drought, but she is willing, she, and she goes one step further, or Elijah does rather, bring me a piece of bread. And then she offers all that she has. She says, I only have a handful of flour and a little oil. And actually, you've just caught me collecting the last sticks I'm going to collect to make the last fire I'm going to collect to make the last meal that I'm ever going to have. And Elijah commands her to continue. And what do we see? Oil that doesn't run dry and flour in abundance. And the picture we are given is each day there was food. Day by day, the lady waited for God's provision. So what does God require of us? Day by day, faith. And what do we see? Daily bread being given. And I think what's really significant for us today is that this shouldn't be our last resort. Faith shouldn't be our last resort. But actually, God requires us to empty ourselves of our self-reliance, of our resources, of all that we have and sometimes it's when we find ourselves in that place where we're at the end of our own strength 
the end of our energy, our tether and our resources, when we pray in that moment of our last meal, our last oil, our last flour, where we find ourselves at the point of surrender and we give it all over to God. And I want us to see and be encouraged this morning, church, that it's at that, that point, at total surrender, that we find new life. And, and how can I hold on to that? That's what we see, isn't it? In a few days' time, Jesus goes to the cross. We know that famous prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done. It's a prayer of surrender that Jesus is praying, and then we see him die on a cross. And then in between this kind of point of surrender, this prayer, this dying to ourselves, we have this Easter Saturday, don't we? That rest. When we've surrendered all that we've given, we rest. We don't just pick up every fear, every concern, every worry that we've just given to God. We die to ourselves, we rest, we leave it with him, and then we see resurrection, new life. But it comes at that point of surrender. We rest in God's plan and his provision, and then we see the breakthrough of new life. And last summer, I was really challenged by a sermon that I listened to where the preacher asked this question. And I think it's really challenging for us today as we think about the characters that we see in the passages that we've read. And the question was, what things are you trying to control that you need to surrender? And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I love to control or be, have that feeling of being in control. What things or people in your life are you trying to control that you need to surrender to God? And that is the point where we see resurrection, new life. But when we're thinking about the characters that we're exploring today, what do we see? What are the lessons that we learn? Sometimes we see the religious leaders in a place of comfort. So what places in our life today are we comfortable that we're not willing to move from? And sometimes that's actually circumstances or pain that we're not quite willing to give over to God yet. We feel more in control of our pain if we hold on to it, but it festers in us and it hurts us when we do that. What feelings or emotions are we experiencing today that we need to surrender to God? Where is God calling us to sacrifice? Or what is God calling us to surrender? Because God is extraordinary. I think that's the understatement of the day. God is extraordinary. If I was making plans, what would seem logical to me is I would call someone rich to provide for my servant, Elijah. But when God answers the question, who am I going to use? Who is the best person to provide for my prophet, for my servant Elijah, our God answers, I'm going to choose a poor Gentile widow's last meal. And doesn't that give God the glory? But it also gives us great joy, because if that's the case, then God can use me too. What qualifies the widow today, it's her emptiness. It's both the widow's emptinesses in the passage we've read, or rather their willingness. And that's what gives us great hope. And that's true of so many biblical figures that we read about, isn't it? God calls Gideon a mighty warrior, and Gideon's response is, I'm not a mighty warrior. And he calls Moses to lead his people, to let them go to see the promised land. And Moses' response is, I can't speak. But what do we see today? We see that God's work, God's will will be done in God's way. 
He doesn't call the equipped. We know this. He calls, sorry, he equips those that he calls. If God requires emptiness, then I'm in. God will multiply our offering. He's after our availability and not our ability. And it's that reminder, isn't it? That boy who gives his pat lunch, he gives all that he has to Jesus and he multiplies it in a miraculous way and feeds over 5,000 people. Our God is a packed lunch miracle worker. What do you have today that you can offer to him? What are you offering to God? Maybe at the moment it's actually, if you're honest, just a small percentage of your time or your finances or your money. And that still leaves you quite comfortable. And I wonder today if God is leading you to the region of Zarephath to teach you, to mould you and to refine your character. Or... Let's think about it from a different angle. Maybe the opposite question to ask is not what are you offering, it's what are you lacking? Because the answer today, if your answer, if my answer is actually I'm lacking nothing or I'm lacking very little in my life, then I wonder if we're leaving a faith gap to see God provide in unexpected and amazing ways. And you may be thinking, Zoe, have you not read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We're supposed to lack nothing. But really, rather, my question today is, are you allowing the shepherd to shepherd you? Are there things in your life that you're trying to control that you need to surrender to our loving shepherd today? You might be lacking peace, you might be lacking friendship, you might be lacking joy, finance, mental headspace, confidence, I don't know what it is, but you might be in need of something emotionally, physically or spiritually. Today there is no lacking God. So where do you need to surrender truly to him in an area of your life so that you can experience his provision? Why am I asking this? I'm not being difficult, I promise. But really, what we see today is Jesus warning about the religious leaders because they couldn't see that they were lacking. They couldn't see that they were lacking in compassion or even the need for Christ. They were blinded by the own evil in their own hearts. They were devouring widows' houses and they thought that was okay. And that's the bit, that's the warning that Jesus is trying to punch across in this gospel passage today. But I don't know how you're feeling. If you're feeling battered by this season that we've been in, or you feel like the widow at the end of your own resources, the end of your own tether, then I want you to hear today and remember that when we get to the end of our own hope, that's the beginning of the story. That's the beginning of God's story. It wasn't the end for the widow, was it? There were many more meals that she experienced. She experienced her daily bread. So what's our response to be today? And this week, I've really kind of been asking God that question, what do you require of us, Lord? And Psalm 51 has been encircling my mind this week. The Psalm that we read that Dave, in response to Nathan, convicting him of his sin, of his wrongdoings, of the murder, of the affair. We know the story. And it's a beautiful psalm where David is asking God to create in him a clean, pure heart. And I just want to read a couple of verses, verses 16 and 17 from the psalm. It says this, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. 
You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. And I've been kind of meditating, what does David mean by this? In light of both passages we've looked at today, the widow giving everything out of her poverty, the widow giving her last meal, and God providing in all of those circumstances. God, what sacrifice or offering do you require of us? What do we see today? Jesus commends a broken spirit. He commends a given spirit, a giving spirit in the midst of poverty. God provides for Elijah through a broken spirit of the last supper of a widow. And today that is all God is asking from us. The message puts the psalm like this. Going through the motions doesn't please you, Lord. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. What does God require of us today? It's not a performance. It's when we learn to worship him, when our pride is shattered. It's through a broken spirit. It's when we offer that at a point of surrender. That is what God is after. I'd love to pray for us, but I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to think about how we can prayerfully respond to the challenge that we've heard. But let me pray, and I'm going to use that psalm to help us pray. Lord God, today we offer you ourselves. We don't want to go through the motions anymore. Lord, you don't want a performance from your people, from your church. Today we see you point out in your religious leaders pride. And I pray, Father God, that you would shatter our pride. Would our response be one of humility today? Lord, would we come back to you on our knees before King Jesus, giving all that we have to you, giving out of our poverty, living with a faith gap so that we are ready to see how you are going to provide? We declare again that you are Jehovah Jireh. I want to pray for those of us this morning, whether that's here or at home, that find ourselves in a season of refinement. We thank you, Lord, that sometimes it's painful, but you haven't finished with us yet. Father, we make ourselves available to you. Help us to consider the areas of our lives that we might be lacking, where we have grown comfortable, and I pray that we would bring that to you today, surrendering all that we have so that we would rest in you, die to ourselves, and see this resurrection new life, Lord, that we long to see in our lives. Help us to sit and gaze in a conservatory today, looking at the view of your provision in our lives. Do you help us to build memorials of your faithfulness and reminders of who you are, Lord Jesus. Take us back to those places where you have provided for us in miraculous ways. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you uh, fill this place and our lives and our homes as we surrender all that we have to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So that's what we're going to do with you at home today. I hope and pray that you can find some space. If you're in the building, I'm going to invite you to stand. And the band are going to begin to to play. And we're going to sing.
the song called The Stand, and here are kind of here are the lyrics. That is my prayer as we start and then see what God is going to do. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. That's what I just my encouragement to you is to find some space, to gaze at those places. Let's offer ourselves to God this morning and see what He is going to do.